0: Coaches, Cognition, Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much needed coaching for the coach.
1: Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with
0: Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world? What's new in my world? I just feel like we're at this fun end of the school year time. I really feel like it always gets me into reflecting, into planning, like reflecting on this year and then planning out those next adventures for the summer. My girls and I have been, um, we've gotten in a habit of um, picking up travelers with us in the summer and being able to go on adventures, whether that be Grammy and Papa or um adopted ants or other people that we take with us. So they've been planning adventures and deciding where they want to go this summer. Um, I've gotten requests everywhere from Dinosaur Ridge to going to the Mint to see where we make money to um, jumping at trampoline parks or splash pads. So, you know, they they always are jacks of all trades. So trying to figure out fun things to keep them busy. And I think a big adventure this summer is going to be just... um, planning out our garden, making sure that we have everything we keep building on that all the time, and then also a big camping adventure. So um, the girls are really excited to be true campers. And that's something that they're taking um, a point of pride this summer in that they're going to be true campers. So well, we have just been really excited about all those adventures.
1: Are they going to leave the princess dresses at home for camping this time?
0: I'm not sure. The last time, The hatchet became very powerful, learning to chop wood with dad. I think that actually trumped the tutu. So um, when we are actually able to use a hatchet, we we leave the tutu behind, but there definitely was some frilly camp wear that came with us. (laughs) A happy balance, right? (laughs) Absolutely. We want to have those skills, but we want to do it with our fantastic flair as well. So um, just wrapping up the school year and just really forward planning and and thinking about next year when I will have a kindergartner and a second grader, which just blows my mind in the time we've done this podcast, how far we have come. They grow up fast. (laughs) They sure do. What's going on in your world, Courtney?
1: I'm planning lots of planning for next school year. I feel like I've been living in next school year for the second half of this year it's a really weird feeling like we've been planning new teacher orientation all year but now that's ramping up uh for august so i feel like as everyone else is winding down our department is just winding up and planning all the fun and exciting events we have an awesome reading um professional development two-day extravaganza that we're hosting as a district and looking forward to the speakers that will be coming to that and all the learning that's going to happen. So lots and lots of planning in my world, for sure.
0: Extravaganza. I can't wait. It sounds like so much fun.
1: It will be. Today, we have Michael Bungay-Stanier with us. Michael helps people to be a force for change. He's best known for his book, The Coaching Habit, which has sold over a million copies and has thousands of five-star reviews online. His latest book, How to Begin, helps people be ambitious for themselves and for the world, and find their worthy goal, and start something thrilling, important, and daunting. He founded Box of Crayons, a learning and development company that helps organizations move from a vice driven to curiosity-led. They've trained hundreds of thousands of managers to be more coach-like, and their clients range from Microsoft to Salesforce to Gucci. Michael left Australia about 30 years ago to be a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford University, where his only significant achievement was falling in love with the Canadian, which is why he now lives in Toronto, having spent time in London and Boston. Balancing out these moments of success, he, is, he was banned from his high school graduation for the balloon incident, was sued by one of his law school professors for defamation, And his first published piece of writing was a Harlequin romance-esque story involving a misdelivered letter and called The
0: Mail Delivery. We are here with the one and only MBS, and we are just truly honored to have you in our presence and to be able to jump into this conversation today. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks, Violet. Thanks, Courtney. I'm happy to be here.
0: We are so excited to hear from you and share you with our listeners. And if you can just start us off with telling us about your background in coaching and what drew you to coaching in the first place, that would be amazing.
2: Yeah, sure. So I did my coach training a little over 20 years ago with uh, CTI, um, but there was stuff before that and stuff after that. So what led up to that was really the sea got planted when I was a teenager and I would spend time sitting with my friends talking about our love lives and all the angst that comes with being a teenager. And I just, I turned out that I was quite good at listening even then, even though I didn't know what the heck I was doing. (laughs) I was like, is this working? Is this not working? Is this helpful? Is it not helpful? It's not entirely clear. So I did, uh, the first training I did was as a, I guess as a a 17 or an 18 year old, as a a youth crisis telephone counsellor. So taking kind of Rogerian counselling and just basically Ask a good question and know that their first answer is not their only answer. And you can go deeper. And so I did that for quite a number of years. And then by the time I ended up living in England, I um uh and graduating from from university there, I realized that there's this thing called coaching that was arising kind of, you know, on the West Coast. Because I was now living in England. Or like, it's probably some weird hippie West Coast thing. But I was like intrigued. because I'm like, maybe there's something here about what I do and what they do. And then with the company I was with, they moved me from London to Boston. So I lived in Boston and I started calling myself a coach and saying to my clients, what we're doing is coaching, even though I didn't really know. So I had all this kind of seeds being planted that led up to me doing my training in about the year 2000. And when I finished training, I started a coaching practice and then to my surprise discovered that i didn't really love being a coach um i I love the act of coaching but the the whole process of that's all i do didn't feel like it was using all my skills in the best possible way so a bunch of things happened after that i started writing books um and you know i've written six or seven or, or maybe eight books now i've lost count um one of which has really taken off called the coaching habit which is how lots of people might know me in this space Um, I started a company called Box of Crayons, which after many years of being a bit of everything for anybody, it has a real focus on bringing coaching skills to organizations. And I have a a newish company called MBS.Works, which is more about helping individuals and helping people be a force for change.
1: I love how your story begins as a listening teenager. That is a rare thing um, for teenagers to stop and listen.
2: Well, I think part of it was, I remember, maybe this is the very first seed, which is like as a 13-year-old or something, and I go to an all-boys school, and there's some reason I'm going to meet a girl or girls, and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, how how do you even interact with girls? Something I've still yet to fully understand, I might say. (laughs) But mum was like, you know, it's really helpful if you ask a good question, because if they're talking, they think you're fascinating, so I'm like that, that's a good thing to remember. So maybe that's the, the true origin of all of this.
1: Ah, uh, the real truth out. comes out.
0: <laughs> it's all about getting the girl in the end and being that good listener and shoulder <laughs> in the long run.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Well, we've absolutely loved diving into your latest book, How to Begin. Um if you can oh, give us you. some insight into uh the inspiration behind the book.
2: Sure. Um so after I wrote The Coaching Habit, I wrote a book called The Advice Trap, which is a kind of deeper dive into some of the stuff in The Coaching Habit and a deeper dive into what does it take to shift your behavior so that you can stay curious a little bit longer. And I, I wasn't sure that I completely finished that topic. So I thought I'd try and write another book trying to crack this. How do you, how do you actually change your behavior? It's so hard. <laughs> you know, it's like we talk about it a lot, but it is, it, is, it is something to mindfully and deliberately and consistently shift the way you behave. And um, I started writing something that turned out to fall apart. It wasn't a very good book. Um, But as I picked through the rubble of that draft of a book, there was a phrase in it that I thought was good, and it was, we unlock our greatness by working on the hard things. And that felt to me a kind of, um, not a new truth particularly, but a kind of uh, a nice restatement of an old truth, which is, you know, it's when you get out to the edge of who you are and what you know, you know, and you're kind of you know, slightly excited and slightly panicking about it. That's where you learn more about you, who you are and you increase your confidence and capacity and self-sufficiency and so on. So then I'm like, well, how do you figure out what the hard stuff is to work on? And it then turned into how to begin having this emotional heart of unlocking the best version of ourselves, but having a practical side, which is how do you think about goal setting? in a way that will bring out the very best of you and also make a contribution to the world. So this idea of setting a worthy goal was born with its three elements, needs to be thrilling, kind of lights you up and gets you excited for you, it needs to be important in that it contributes to the world and makes the world a bit of a better place, and it needs to be daunting in that it stretches you and grows you and provokes you and encourages you
0: your mantra of leading with curiosity and just truly humanizing that goal setting is just tremendously powerful. And we just love your volumes of work. We know that we could dive into so many different aspects and go so deep. But for a slightly lighter moment, tell us a little bit about this. We love the, I I actually gotten to listen to your book on Audible and it feels like I have a personal coach in my pocket as Uh I drive to work or as I'm um, getting ready for my day that helps me to center. Mm -hmm. But then um, Courtney actually experienced the book, physical version um, and yeah. we wanted to hear a little more about your cheeky little cartoon version of yourself that pops up throughout the book and how that came to fruition.
2: Yeah you know um, I had the idea for it actually for the advice trap so we, we created this little avatar this little character kind of looks a bit like me um, for the advice trap book and then when I wrote the advice trap I was like I can't I can't make this work it doesn't seem a good fit for that particular book because both the coaching habit and the advice trap, I'm trying to not be the hero of the story. I'm trying to actually, in a coach-like way, kind of get out of the way so people can put themselves into the book. And if I kept showing up as a a guy going, hey, it's me, it feels like you've got this kind of weird tension between, I'm, I'm trying to help you find your own journey, but pay attention to me. So I was like pretty sad because I love this little character. <laughs> I was like so happy when the when the artist came up with them. I was like, this is so good. And um then when I wrote How to Begin, it felt much more useful to have me as a more obvious guide as part of the book. Um because it's one thing to show or teach people a process, but lots of people really value kind of seeing how it works, <laughs> not just in theory, but in practice. And as a teacher and a facilitator, I'm a big believer that it's helpful to be the strongest signal in the room. So if you want people to respond in a certain way, you need to be a certain way and you need to show people what that's like because it gives permission. So I wanted to um, tell my stories or my me going through the process um, and kind of show the kind of the messiness and the vulnerability of it and the kind of doubt and the kind of progress and so as you read How to Begin, There, I have two stories of me taking on worthy goals. One is stopping me being the CEO of Box of Crayons, the company I founded. And the other is me trying to launch and have ambition around a podcast that I have. Um, and it just felt cool to have this little guy show up and be the guy telling the story around that. So I'm, I'm glad it struck a chord for you.
1: Every time he popped up, <laughs> it just kind of made me laugh. It was... Perfect. Something I really enjoyed, um, you know, even when, you know, you're processing these heavy goal setting ideas to have them there to kind of lighten the mood and remind you of these key concepts. Um, your book, how to begin has been so inspirational for me personally. Um, I won't truly know the impact on <laughs> till I see if I can get this goal to, uh, follow into fruition here. Um, yeah. what are some key components, uh, setting that worthy goal that can kind of help our listeners who haven't had a chance to dive mm. in yet?
2: Well, the the book's in three parts. Each each part has three chapters. And if you're, if you want the kind of the executive summary of each part, part one is draft and redraft your goal because your first draft isn't the, the actual goal. It's a good start, but you're not there yet. And spending a bit of time poking at the goal and examining it and interrogating it, allows you to fine tune it and make sure that it is as powerful an expression of the goal as possible. And that's going to be helpful because when you get going on it and it gets hard, having a goal that is resonant as an intrinsic motivator and extrinsic motivator is going to be helpful. The second section is really about understand what you're committing to. Um, I think sometimes we, we leap too quickly from, I've got a goal, I should just start doing it. And what happens is you you don't fully sit with the consequences of what it means to say yes to this you know when you say yes to a worthy goal, you're saying no to some other stuff <laughs> you're saying no to expectations of yourself, old ones uh expectations other people might be having of you um you're saying no to other things you could be doing, you're saying no to spending the time and the money and the relationship equity you might have on other things. So it's not an it's not an insignificant commitment to say this is the goal I'm going to pursue. And the second section just says, wrestle with this for a bit. <laughs> get get really clear because the status quo has a stronger pull on you than you realize. And unless you're really clear about what your commitment is, there's a chance the status quo will pull you back. And then the third section is um about getting you going. It's called crossing the threshold. And it actually says, look, I can't get you to the end state of your goal because it might even change and it might not be the right goal in the end. Um, but what's important is that you begin the journey. And uh, I probably would sum it up by going, <laughs> don't do it alone and don't think it's going to be one big or three big leaps and you'll be there. It's like you're exploring the unknown. It's it's places you haven't been before And it's a person you haven't been before. So you find support, know how to get back to the best version of who you are and keep taking small steps to make progress.
0: That getting to the best version of yourself is so powerful and your book. Just every single chapter layers on another piece as to how we need to evaluate that goal and how we need to refine and make sure that we have the best people with us. Um, I said earlier to Courtney, your Blues Brothers reference blew me away That's of finding girl. your right band. That was that was a core a core movie in our household as a child and knowing who movie. do you want. <laughs> right. Like yeah. like. We got to have our right band. We got to make sure that we're we're rounding up the right players in order to be able to take us to the goal in which we're trying to achieve. So, yeah. I appreciate that. And On top of it, also your pilot light, um, um, your appendix, it just it made my reading list that much more robust and just added more things for my summer reading. So, you you just layer on each little piece in order to help us feel like we can get to that big goal and also make that goal as robust and as powerful as possible. So, we truly appreciate that and Thank and. You. Tell us a little bit more about, often, I know I'm a person, and I'm sure you are, as we heard throughout the saga of your story, of (laughs) we often have many goals. How can we help our listeners to narrow their goals and to be able to retain their focus as they're trying to achieve those
2: goals? Well, I think it's useful to understand that there's probably some degree of hierarchy that you've got to organize your life. The way I think about it is sometimes you'll have a kind of a bigger picture vision of what you're trying to achieve. And it's often a kind of slightly woo woo, slightly abstract thing. You know, I talk about my personal vision is to infect a billion people with the possibility virus. So it's like, first of all, that sounded much better before there was a global pandemic, but you know, (laughs) I'm, I'm sticking with it. Stick with it. Yeah. And you know, and it's big and it's vague and it's for me, aspirational. Um, a worthy goal kind of slots in underneath that, which is like, what's my best way of achieving that bigger vision or bigger mission that I might have? And you, you can't have too many of these. Like, I, I think, I mean, last year I had three worthy goals and I made progress on one and I kind of mucked about on two. So I think, you know, maybe two worthy goals, but really you're saying a worthy goal is this is actually where I'm choosing to commit stuff, you know, my, my time, my effort, my thinking, my brain, my money, my you know, all of that. And you just don't have capacity for that many of that. I think aspiring to one worthy goal is is a great thing to do. And, you know, when you finish that, then you can move on to the next worthy goal. <laughs> one big project is a good thing to be taking on. And then against that one worthy goal, you, that can then break down to going, look, there's different strategies I can be using to to be, to be pushing against that and then different tactics against a strategy, against a worthy goal, against a mission. So it's useful if you, there is a line of sight between how you spend your days and how you want to spend your life. And often what I find is people have a kind of saggy middle. They've got a vision for the bigger picture. Here's how I want to spend my life. And they've got a to-do list that stretches to, to infinity and beyond. And they're not entirely clear about the how the the ta- the tactics contribute to the project, contribute to the strategy, contribute to the worthy goal, contribute to the vision. And an idea of of a like a, a thought tree or a, a hierarchy like that can be helpful.
1: I wish everyone could have access to your coaching. I'm like you make it just so clear and attainable of like, oh yeah, I just need to lay it <laughs> out like that and then I'll figure it out.
2: Well it's as in as in everything, it's it's so often it's actually in doing the work that it gets interesting. So the layout is the easy bit. It's actually you going, what choices am I making here? And what will I put in and what will I take out? Um, you know, uh, who was it? An American um, Eisenhower said, um, planning is useless. Plans are useless, but planning is useful. And it's the same with all of the stuff that I'm you're working through here is actually you're not making a plan so much as you're doing the planning And that's where the power lies.
0: And when you have that plan, you can actually actuate on it. And I always appreciate what you're saying of you only have so many chapters left in life of what are the big things that I want to accomplish in each chapter. And I Mm -hmm. think everyone post-COVID is reevaluating their chapters in new ways of what can I truly attain in those big goals within each chapter. So I appreciate you bringing that back to the forefront and making us resonate with that again today.
2: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: Well, we are going to shift now into the rapid fire question. So roughly 30 seconds or less, feel free to be more elaborative if you'd like, but tell us where can we learn more from and with you? And what do you have coming down the pike? Minus four, we definitely want to share your new book with all of our listeners. What else can we share?
2: Well, look, if you want more about me in general, mbs.works is the website. Um, There's a nice free program there called the Year of Living Brilliantly, which is literally a year of great teachers, 52 different teachers and a short video every week and it's free so you can go there if you want to dive into the book itself howtobegin.com is the website for that and in terms of what i'm working on now my, my worthy goal this year is to write three books um you know uh they won't come out till next year 2023 and 2024 but i reckon i can try and write three books in a year and that's a big stretch for me that's hard um but it feels intriguing so that's what i'm working on right now
0: and even if you accomplish one, we will be so grateful and be able to absorb even more of your brilliance and knowledge. So we well, appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us, what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching?
2: Mm. Well, there's, a, there's the one I go on all about the time is just stay curious a little bit longer and rush to action and advice giving a little bit more slowly. But maybe I, if I was to shrink it even more, I would just say, and what else? <laughs> because the first answer is never the only answer.
0: I love that. Really beautiful, so beautiful. And tell us, lastly, what is your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move? And it may have been where we started—we're um, talking about where to begin. It may have been with listening to the ladies. But tell us more of what's your secret <laughs> coaching superpower.
2: Well, perhaps more generally, I think uh, uh, a thing that I am good at, in a way that other people often aren't, is a way of translating knowledge to make it feel accessible for people. So, you know. Taking I- ideas that can sometimes be a bit abstract or a bit remote, and going, look, here's how I can unweird this for you, so you can go, oh, I can do that, or I could try that out. So that that act of translation, I think, is probably the thing that I can do. Um, I can do that pretty well.
0: That is a remarkable superpower, and we appreciate you being able to translate with us today and you have had just a tremendous impact on coaching and the world in general and we appreciate your invigorating energy and you sharing that with us thank you so much for your interview today yeah
2: thanks violet thanks courtney
0: thank you so much michael is a true
1: legend and shared so much insight with us today if you're looking to set some meaningful goals be sure to pick up a copy of his latest book how to begin coaches remember the first answer is not the only answer Thanks for listening and be sure to follow us on Twitter at C3 Coaches or leave us a review on iTunes. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?